Here we go. <laughs> We're live. Uh, Welcome to the after party. Welcome to the after party. We are uh, we're on Facebook and on YouTube tonight. It's a big night. Yeah. Have we're, we ever? We've never done that? We did that before. We did we it one time before. <laughs> but we had problems. So, <laughs> so the, there were some issues we when we tried it problems. before. But we're, we're trying it again. We're doing Things our best. Things are looking yeah. up for us. It's true. Yeah. And also, we're in double digits now for our episode. I know. Episode 10. Ooh, 10. Look out. Look out. <laughs> Let's do a top 10 list. Top 10 list? Oh, man. We should have prepared that. <laughs> I know. Didn't get that ready. feels a bit, top 10. a bit much. I'm going to take my hoodie top off. Top 10. This week, I was walking my dog. Yeah. I was joking about my hoodie before yeah. we went live. But I was walking my dog, and I saw someone from church, and I had my hood on, and I had, like, big headphones on, like, over top of the oh, dog. Yeah. And I saw this person. I was like, hey, how's it going? And they're like... <laughs> You don't look like you want to see anybody right now. Like, well, you know, I'm walking my dog. But then we stopped and chatted six feet apart. Yeah, good. So it was good. good. Oh, good. I actually, I sometimes, well, I really love actually talking to strangers. Do you? Yeah. Oh, I love it. Really? I love talking to strangers. So you have to look out for me. Nice. But I was walking through a neighborhood close to Bankview, where I live. And what happened? I, I, I stepped onto the street. There's a couple on the sidewalk. And I kind of was like, hmm, I, I might say like a full sentence to them. <laughs> so awkward. So, so awkward. I know it was terribly awkward, actually. <laughs> so there was somebody like across a huge lot, a, a big schoolyard on a swing. And the swing was really squeaky, like, <laughs> like so. <laughs> and that shut you down. You were just like, okay, I can't compete with that. No. And I just was like. Hey, that swing needs a little <laughs> grease, right? And I was just like, isn't it? It's kind of a funny thing. Like, mm. it's quiet out here, but you can just hear this sad, lonely swing. Just in the breeze? Or was there a person on it? There was a person. Because that would have been funnier if it was just, just in one the breeze. Person. Like, and like, it was kind of a sad scene. But I, so I just said that to these people thinking that we might like have a little mm. conversation about like nothing. How, they, nothing. Yeah, they just kept their head. They just <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I got like turned. a hoodie. <laughs> Put their headphones back totally. on. Totally. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get a like. Hey, yeah, there we go. Ashley has switched platforms here. YouTube people. All right. That's the way to do Whoa. it. And uh, welcome, Jason. <laughs> Good to see you guys. Uh, that's I uh, I agree. Sometimes YouTube's, you know, it's where it's at. YouTube's, yeah. I don't know. I got nothing against Facebook. You, nothing? Yeah, I got nothing against Facebook. <laughs> like, I mean, just like using it if you're going to watch this on Facebook. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, I thought we were talking big, like, big questions about Facebook. I'm like, we probably should have something against uh, that's it hilarious. sometimes. <laughs> All right. Uh, today, Great. before we start talking, are we going to do check-ins? You want to tell us a story? Uh, uh, <laughs> I thought that was my story. Oh, that, that was the story. All right. <laughs> no, no. I thought that wasn't. was an off-the-cuff story. Yeah, it was not. 100% off-the-cuff. Okay. It wasn't even a good story. It wasn't your prepared story? <laughs> I did bring something though. Okay, let's see it. Yeah, you ready? Yeah. I, this is what I heard about this morning. Yes, I made oh. cookies. I made cookies. Look at it. I can and, already tell I'm impressed by the well, shape of them. <laughs> There's four in here. Wow. So they're, uh, what are they? Chocolate chunk cookies with buck, a little bit of buckwheat flour. A little buck, buckwheat. Yep. And they're from Bon Appetit's baking magazine mm. um, issue. And if people are around me much they know i talk quite a bit about my friends at bon appetit so this is sarah's recipe from bon appetit i already sent ashley a message about the fact that i made them i'm just noticing okay. that the chocolate came off this oh, yeah. one so and they're they, also they're, they're they look like <laughs> <laughs> okay okay you got two you apart to, you can um i'm gonna 
offer okay. you this is like a double, double decker whammy. cookie <laughs> yeah okay, i'm gonna split but, it but let me also say that i put chocolate uh, i chopped up some really nice chocolate to go in these cookies and one mm. of the chocolate bars was a lavender dark chocolate so it's, it's mm. going to give you some like hints of lavender <laughs> hints of lavender hints of it so <laughs> i i'm not um a big cookie connoisseur mm-hmm. it's not really my thing right um these are good. Yeah. I, you know what yeah. I like though? What? I'm not sure what the technical term is. Yeah. But they're greasy. You know what I mean? Like you like them greasy? Or? Yeah. Like when they're all flattened out and chewy. Yeah. Can I want them like plump and cakey? Right. That's what this is. Yeah. That's what I mean. I like that. Also. Yeah. Salt on the top. Yeah. I, I threw some salt. That's where it's at. That's what Sarah told me to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know who Sarah is, but she <laughs> is correct. It's <laughs> good. Can I have one, Jason? <laughs> if only, if only we were allowed to have some people here. We would definitely give you one. Absolutely. Um. Mm-hmm. So um. Yeah. So that's. Am I supposed to eat this the whole time? I'm going to be like. I know. I. I mean, you might just want to try it. Mm-hmm. Leave it for later. Good, it's not bad, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I. Yeah. I liked it. I like I'm it not too. doing a lot of baking. Mm-hmm. Mostly enjoy cooking, but. Yeah. You know, dipped my hand in. <laughs> dipped dip my hand in. Where did you get some lavender into the baking? Okay. It was. It was a chocolate bar. It was in the chocolate. It was in the chocolate bar. So it was like really yeah. lovely. You know, when you get those, like someone gives you a, a, a gift. Mm. So this was a gift, a birthday gift, actually. Mm. And it was a lavender dark chocolate chocolate bar. Very fancy. Yeah. And then I you know. used it in your cookies. I did. That's, like, that's cool. I could have like eaten little bits of it for mm-hmm. a month and enjoyed it. But that's what I like I, to do. Yeah. I like to get the like salted dark chocolate. And then I just like a little piece yeah. is fine. I thought that, but then I was like, oh my gosh, lavender in these cookies, next level. Okay, here's what I made tonight. This is not baking. Um, What'd you make, Jer? Made a new drink. (laughs) What's it called here? I honestly brought these cookies hoping that someday you'd mix me a drink before after party. (laughs) Only I could get that here. (laughs) Tim's cup in a pitcher. I mean, a, it's called a leading roll. That's what our after party needs. Oh, just like yeah, a there table. you go. Like a, like a picture of tea or something like that or something. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, called a leading roll. Okay. Ounce and a half of, uh, I use Johnny Walker Black. Okay. Half an ounce of Pims. Okay. Two quarter ounce of lime. Half an ounce of honey syrup. Two dashes of Angostura. Yeah. Shake with ice. Strain. Yeah. It was very nice because it had this... Um, like a little bit of herbaceous and spiciness from the Angostura and the Pim's Cup, a yeah. little smoky okay. from the Johnny Walker Black. But then like like um like a, a good sweet citrusy uh, lime and honey vibe. there. It was I'm that's what I'm, I'm working on. I'm working on summer oh. summer cocktails right now. So I mean this is a you good don't one. live in a again. huge house. Like where do you keep all your bottles? Where do you have a serious a... liquor cabinet <laughs> stash? I mean. There's a lot of variety. So oh, yeah, that's exactly it. That's I'm true. not saying that you're drinking all this stuff all the time. I'm just saying like you you rattle off this ingredient list. But I make I, think, I make like, my own where? syrups and stuff. Yeah, you know. So like, where are you keeping all this stuff? Just little bottles. Yeah, yeah. I have like a second fridge for oh. uh, all my bitters and bottles Ooh. and my syrups and stuff. Okay, okay. okay. So okay. my gastrique that I made a little while ago. What was that? Gastrique. It's like uh, vinegar and caramelized sugar. Okay. And then you flavor it with. You can do it with um, fruit or something. So I made a strawberry gastrique. Okay. So you take um, sugar. Yeah. You gotta you gotta caramelize it. Oh. So you gotta okay. Keep stirring it over low heat. Yeah. Till it browns so it doesn't out. Doesn't burn. But then straight one cup of sugar and then one cup of um, like just vinegar. Oh. And yeah, and then it like hardens, but then you gotta keep stirring it till it softens all up. Yeah. And then you flavor it with some, um, usually fruit or something like that. Yeah. 
then you strain it, put it in a little bottle, and you put what that in it? your drink or, you know. Is it like a syrup consistency? Yeah, kind of like that. So you use them in shrub cocktails. Shrub cocktails. Um, yeah, or you can like use it in rosemary or something. What's a shrub cocktail? Shrub cocktail is a vinegar based. So instead of for your acid, instead of like a citrus, you use vinegar. Oh. So it's very good though. It's an interesting. No interesting idea. I'm, I'm learning. Here we go. Learn on. Learn on. <laughs> I want that cocktail recipe, Jeremy. All right. I'll, um, I'll post it. Yeah. You, didn't you post a recipe recently on I did your post personal recipe. Instagram And in Zoni. So oh, also, go again. Uh, yeah, very go. good. Like a, a summer <laughs> version of a Negroni, which is oh. my favorite cocktail. Okay. Uh, but this was Campari, gin, uh, lemon, simple syrup, mm-hmm. muddled with white grapes. Right. And then strained. Right. I remember yeah. we talked about this. It was serious. If, if somebody wasn't into cocktails, you know, just didn't drink a lot of cocktails, yeah. but was like, oh, I'd like to try some cocktails. What's like entry level cocktail like classic. i don't even know how to answer that because like the you know if you're if your palate like if you lean more to sweet or right. citrusy or bitter you know there's a lot of different mm. things but start with the classics like a negroni yeah. and an old-fashioned yeah. a gimlet yeah you know start with those and, okay. and then you can branch, branch out. out there you go all right <laughs> all right uh oh also how did we get so down that well, road anyway the cookies. the cookies took us there yeah exactly the yeah. cookies took us there but also i've been keeping you posted on my new knife oh yeah um i'm i got a new knife probably for, got a shun yeah it's a very nice knife. it's a lovely knife and i've i've had like okay knives but i've known for a while like i needed and wanted to kick it up mm-hmm. a level so I got Jonathan. Do you remember Emerald, got me like the chef really, from Louisiana? He used to always say, "Kick it up a notch." Every oh, time you say that, that's it. I'm like, okay, that Emerald guy. <laughs> Which is perfect. That's really okay. <laughs> so I got a new knife, but I've been thinking about skills that I like that I I need to sharpen, <laughs> as it were, <laughs> in terms of like even knife placement, mm. like as you're preparing. Mm. So I had one little nick already oh, yeah. with this thing, <laughs> and it was just because of where I like laid it out, and it was too cluttered on my cabinet or on my counter and i nicked like the little corner of my finger like yeah if you're not used to working with sharp knives but yeah sharper knife you will cut yourself less with a sharp well that's what i'm hoping yeah (laughs) so so tell me something i've been i've been wondering about Mm -hmm. like knife placement so like you cut some things and then my knife skills are pretty mediocre oh are they Compared to like chefs and stuff, oh, well, but of course. you know, it's just you and me here. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I just don't else to ask. <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta make sure you hold up, yep. right up at the front, like right. where the the bridge is, so yeah. you get good weight. Totally. Kind of want to hold I'm it so that that. it's uh, balanced, Ooh, right? So it's not falling over, right? And then when you're slicing, like, are you just chopping? Yeah, yeah, right. So, yeah. so the claw. So, yeah, you right. do the claw with your Still knuckles on that. Yeah. and move that back and just chop yeah. up and down on that, right? So, um, and then if you're setting your knife down, mm-hmm. do you have like a way that you do that? I, so I have, yeah. I don't have a great thing, but yeah. I have a wood, like a magnet wood block on my wall. So even between like chopping something, stirring something, you put I it back I have so on little counter space in so our house. Why? So our house is tiny. So yeah. your place is too. So ours yeah. is, uh, Rachel and our place is about 980 square feet. You guys yeah. are like 550 Five. or something. 532. Yeah. So. <laughs> every bit so i have um like these magnet wood blocks right right up on the wall so that as i'm cutting i could just like plop it back up so i have all my knives okay 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 Um, okay here's my last knife question (laughs) (laughs) daryl's saying i've heard about knife people but never knew one until now (laughs) 
Okay. If you have, if you want to know about knife and people, check out Knifeware. Oh man, uh, they're amazing. That's where Jonathan got my new knife. Yeah, and, and the I owner's on Twitter, and he's great. He does lessons do, on sharpening, yeah. all kinds of stuff. They so. do really, really neat things, yeah. and like a bunch of different people do their like Facebook Live videos and stuff. Very cool. So, and they send. Um, so we ordered it online, and it you know came to our door, and they send like really neat little stickers and stuff. Cool. Yeah, it's like a That's knives fun. for the people sticker. It's great. So here's my other question: mm-hmm. When you're cutting an onion, mm-hmm. do you like? Let's talk about this for no. a moment. So what are you, you trying to do? Are you trying to dice it? Yeah, dice dice mm-hmm. an onion. So cut it in half. Yeah. Peel this stuff off. Yep. Now, do you slice through, slice this way, then slice this yeah. way? Yes. So you take okay. the whole half. Yeah. And then, and yeah. So it's, it's sitting like a ball. Yeah. And then you slice in a couple times. Yeah. But not right to the end. No, not to the yeah. end. So just yeah. to the end, so it all stays together. Yeah. And then you slice this way. Yes. And then the other. But again, not to the end. Right. And then you chop down on it. Right. And then you'll be left with a little chunk at yeah. the end. You can throw right. it out, or you can dice it Finish on the it on the tabletop there. Okay. But. So so. When you're doing this, this is new with a, yeah. like, you need a, a much sharper knife than I had to uh-huh. do. That's one of the reasons I wanted a new knife. I was like, I want to cut an onion that onions. way. <laughs> also, when you have a, a sharper knife, you tear up less. Oh, is that true? It's a true thing. Hmm. I saw it on like Food 52 okay. on a video. I always wear goggles. Like, always? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love that But it would have been funny if I did. <laughs> like you need to be making stores <laughs> in your kitchen <laughs> okay so the so that this slice into yep. the onion i'm still struggling with it even with my sharper knife like just to get it straight yeah like not just like just to like should it go so smooth i feel like i'm still like sort of struggling with it like mm-hmm. am i putting too much pressure like or is it just practice it's probably just practice like yeah uh, if you hold at the back of the onion yeah um, you know, you shouldn't, there shouldn't be a lot of weight in there. Right. Oh, you know, maybe that's it is I'm holding a little bit too much on top. Yeah. And you're pushing down. Yeah. On it. So just hold it the back and then you can yeah. slice him well, and you can do, you can do a little bit of a saw. Yeah. You know, especially when you're going right. like that. You don't want to do too much because when you do a saw, it pulls yeah. away sometimes. Right, right, right. So. Oh, the point about the sharper knife and less tears is like, it, it's like, n- you're not smashing the Right. Like, yeah. Enzyme. You're not compressing it. Yeah. 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 Right, I, I buy yeah, it. Yeah. It's, it's a real thing. Okay. Hmm. all right so that's our food talk <laughs> yeah. I, I i mean i have not as fancy knife as you oh. but i have nice knives you have nice knives i have yeah. global knives yeah which are japanese steel yeah but they're not as beautiful as that's Shun. it jonathan so. was like i wanted to get you one that was beautiful he did yeah. all the research should we talk about this already here maybe just no. on the team but jonathan made a spreadsheet and how, like, how are you going to buy something without a spreadsheet? Oh, I, d- I, I can't would, even. I, and I would never. I don't even know, do how, that. I don't even know I, how you would purchase like, something if you don't make a spreadsheet. <laughs> I'm totally with Jonathan on this one. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> so, anyways, the, the knife he ended getting yeah. it was like a classic eight-inch shoon. Yeah. So, chef's knife. If you want That's a beautiful right. knife, get a shoon. If you want just a really good workhorse right. Japanese steel knife, right. Globals right. are excellent, but they're not as pretty. Like they right. have a metal handle. Right. And, this one is a really nice like dark kind of some kind of wood, wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's great okay so there we have it uh, my husband made a coke zero spreadsheet <laughs> what I, on earth? I <laughs> just found out there's like a million coke zeros or cokes, so it needs- cokes or something i don't drink <laughs> pop but oh. kevin was explaining like there's all kinds of cokes and oh, diet cokes man. and caffeine plus coke and right. caffeine free coke right. and then coke 
that has no sugar but does have caffeine. And then there's like a whole bunch of, if you don't want sugar, you got all kinds of different not sugars in your Cokes. Wow, wow. And then they have flavored non-sugared Cokes. Okay. So you would need a spreadsheet just to understand <laughs> what's going on. I'm so curious about what he's like Can't even tracking. buy a Coke these days. What's he tracking? Um, he's just keeping track of the Cokes. Like the ones he liked and uh, ranking them? Is it a ranking system? Wow. Is it details? Is it like tasting notes? Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> okay. What are we here? We're okay. 717. We haven't talked about anything important yet. I mean, so. cooking's important. Cooking is important. Knife care is important. He figured out where the cheapest Coke Zero was. <laughs> like it comes to... Do- I would assume that something like that would be mandated in price by like Coke, the that company. Wild. But whatever. <laughs> That's great. That's so good. Okay. So uh, we could talk today about the beginning of our series. Yeah. You started a new series I on Sunday. started a new series, How to Be Angry. Uh, what else happened this last week? We, we introduced Ryan. Which, that's right. We introduced yep. Ryan to it. So it's a very interesting time it as is. a staff to be um, saying farewell to someone like Jeannie, who's been such an important yeah. part of the team for so long. Yeah. Um, I mean, so long is relative because Commons is only, well, not quite six years old. Right. But of those not quite six years, right. Jeannie has been on staff for five of them, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of the history of the church, she's right. been here for 80% of the church. Right. Um, so, I mean, someone who has that kind of tenure, who has done that much to shape yeah. uh, how the community has evolved and who we right. become is, a, is uh, it's, a, it, it's a, a really important transition. Yes. So to be saying goodbye there, but then also to be hiring someone in this time where, you know, we're not in the room and the community is all mm-hmm. dispersed in different ways. It's, it's been sort of an interesting process yeah. to figure out how to do that yeah. uh, well, honor those stories and, and make people feel um, loved and, and all these mm-hmm. things appreciated yeah exactly Lots of gratitude yeah, without we still a party have some, without yeah. like yeah without a party and we still have some time to do that we've yeah. got uh we've got another big farewell for genie coming at the end of the month but this week was the introduction for ryan yeah so was that little yeah. um yeah a little it's say nice. hello there it was really so nice. some people probably know ryan already uh but if you didn't you yeah. got a chance to meet her a bit on sunday right i zoom interviewed her <clears throat> yeah so <laughs> it's yeah that's uh, with the times. Yes, we, uh, exactly. <laughs> so we did that. And then yeah. uh, I think that was, that was about it from the service. Yeah. Yeah. Scott did a really beautiful really prayer. Really lovely prayer. Yeah. Mm. Reflective. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we should mention before or chat about it, but we have another new episode of yes. Between Sundays coming out tomorrow morning. Yep. So that's exciting too. It's very exciting. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Rachel Duplessis. Rachel Duplessis, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And we actually did that recording uh just before COVID-19 anything so there's not one mention pandemic (laughs) face masks like social distancing it doesn't come up so we recorded this conversation with her first and I kept thinking like when will it fit because we released the season in the time of COVID-19 and Finally, we're getting down to the last two or three episodes. And I yeah. thought, okay, I'm going to revisit the, the conversation mm-hmm. with Rachel and see, like, is it time for this one? Yeah. And it is. I really think it is. It's great. So there's no mention of COVID-19, mm. but it doesn't... You know what? That's kind of nice. It actually We got is. this far into the podcast without mentioning COVID-19. <laughs> oh, now I'm real. <laughs> now I'm realizing. You did this, Bobby. <laughs> We're just kind of like, yeah. In, we we in didn't mention normal. it until the moment where we talked about how it wasn't mentioned in another <laughs> podcast. Oh, man. <laughs> it always gets us. We got us. so far. It always gets us. Ah, oh, COVID-19. I know. I oh, know. Well. But the theme for that episode is contempt. 
And it's kind of a long, a long episode. Mm. It's like an hour and 20 minutes, which I know is a long, long time. What else we got but, to do? Uh, but it's really good. And I think I know that there was some wisdom I was searching for around the issue of contempt cool. in relationships as sort of like bearing witness to people's like end of marriage stories and the way that people tell the story like as a marriage is ending mm -hmm. that I've been like wondering there's been something unsettled in me for a long time around that and this theme of contempt and Rachel delivers up this <laughs> bit of wisdom and as soon as she says it I lose it I'm like there it is <laughs> like mm -hmm. that's what I've been looking for for it feels like years mm -hmm. so I hope that people will stick with the whole episode uh, around this theme of contempt cool. uh, it's it, and she also has such a lovely calming voice oh, okay. so it's just like I, I end up having like mm. a lot of bursts of like laughter and interruption. I have, um, but Rachel's just so calm and she sits with the question <laughs> and she's a great model of like how to talk about hard things and how to cool. listen into like tough conversations. So I love the episode. I have friends that, um, that you know, it's just interesting Harry, hearing you talk about that. Their marriage just ended, but um, they, they've just been this really neat model of how they've done it well. And they just did a little video with their daughters and stuff sort of, um, celebrating or sort of like saying goodbye that it was the sort of last night they were all four of them were in the house together mm -hmm. and doing a bit of a cheer and, you know, saying goodbye to that moment oh, and wow. stuff, which I thought was a really sort of beautiful moment yeah. in terms of how you take sort of these, these really difficult moments that yeah. all of us go through. Yeah. Um, how do you do them well for the people around you and not yes. just for them, but for yourself, yeah. you know, to come through that in a, in a beautiful way. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes if we could, if we did a better job of honoring the beauty in those types of stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, we, there's so much that we could take away from that. If we did yeah. a better job honoring all kinds of beauty in yes. the midst of difficult stories. Yeah. I'm like almost that, so. like about to spoil the <laughs> moment that I've like left as a cliffhanger, <laughs> like, but it's, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I really think that uh, thinking about like beginnings of relationships and ending of partnerships and um you know nobody sort of sets out hmm. in a committed sure. partnership to be like in 15 years i'm gonna hate your guts yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> like how do people get there it happens all the time mm -hmm. so rachel has some great language mm -hmm. around it pulls in some of gottman's stuff uh it's great cool. but again just like the big picture of that episode is like you're not gonna hear pandemic talk and it's actually really nice that the themes are still really appropriate to our life all the time and her voice is so calming <laughs> It's just so nice. <laughs> I read funny. this quote and she's just, she says, I'm just going to sit with that for a minute. And I was like, oh my gosh, if I did that a little bit more, you know, <laughs> so I was about to answer a question. I was just like, let me just sit with that for a minute. <laughs> there's, oh man, now I'm blanking on it, but there's a quote in the quote reel for this series. Oh. That's something about, um, I don't know, be slow to speak and quick to read and quick to think and low to, uh, whatever. Okay, anyway, okay. We'll bring back to the quote reel whenever we <laughs> read it again. So it's a good one for anger. It's a good one. Keep, yeah. keep, keep watch for it. All right. Uh, okay. What do you want to talk about today? You okay. Did a sermon. So I did a sermon, uh, how to be angry yeah. at God. And I chose sort of some strange texts. Yeah, and that's. For, I think that's one of the interesting things about this yeah, series. For months, I went back and forth, back and forth in, in my mind. And then I'd be like, no, nah, I think we should just like pick some Jesus stories, go to the epistles, maybe something more common. And then I'd sit down with those chapters and I'd be like, no, there is, this is it. Like, yeah. then I'd go away from it. Wouldn't look at it for a few months. 
And I'd be like, no, we should really go. <laughs> I had this like internal conversation. These are kind of strange mm. texts. It's obscure. Unless you grew up with VeggieTales, apparently, you know, like. And so many VeggieTales comments. People were super into. So I didn't watch VeggieTales as a kid. I, yeah. I mean, I've heard of them, but yeah. I don't really know much about it. As soon as somebody said it in the chat, I thought, oh, there is a VeggieTales about this. But again, huh. it's not at all. It did not come up in my imagination or my memory at mm. all when I was preparing. Nor mine. Until. And then I could sort of hear the. Oh, there it is. Think before you speak and read before you think. That was from last week. Yeah, I like that one. I like that quote. Anyway, that's oh, actually so good. Ashley on the quotes. It's so funny. It's weird. I think we think you and I, or maybe Kevin and I, were talking. We do these quote reels for every sermon, and we have for years. Yeah, but they're always sort of like in the background because coffee. You know, the coffee break's happening and then we put the quote reel on as people come back. I always think that the they're really great for introverts who don't want yeah, to talk to exactly. other people. So, so that gives them something to do. And that's largely what they're for, yeah. for is it's like some cue to come back yeah. to your seat. But now all of a sudden they're like a featured moment yeah. in the sermon. People are like, look at all these quotes. And like, you know, for years I've been working on gathering all these quotes, making these videos. And, and they two were people so lost. And now everyone's like, oh. This is your moment. Yeah, exactly. Your quote moment. All my work on these quote reels over the years has all paid off all of a sudden Do you now, remember any of thanks the Thanks to COVID-19. <laughs> Do you channel Eaton? <laughs> My son says it like that all the time. Uh, do you remember any of the voices that you pulled? Because honestly, I didn't see them. You know, I don't because I did yeah. it so like a year ago. ago. That's right. So I did like I watched them on Sunday, but I don't really remember much yeah. from it because I pulled all those quotes. Yeah, like probably 14 months ago when, Wild, I, when yeah. I put the series together. So. Right. When I put the quote reel together, you right. put the, I series, put the together. series together. You put the series together. <laughs> <Your mouth. laughs> Getting angry over there? <laughs> Always. So, speaking of, uh, yeah. listen to that segue. Yeah, so good. Almost like we planned it. <laughs> we did not. We did not. That's the narrator. <laughs> they did not. <laughs> uh, yes, so how to be angry. We just kind of chopped it up into, well, I chopped it into three parts. You know, how to be angry at God, how to be angry at others, how mm. to be angry at yourself. And you're going to take that one. Yeah, yeah. apparently. That would be fun. <laughs> Try to get out of it. I started looking at it this week. So okay, great. So yeah, it's it's a, a probably the strangest text of the three. It's super strange it's text. Really strange. Yeah, it is. I still think the themes are there for us. Yeah, we'll but... we'll find out. <laughs> so I I've, I haven't started writing it because I want to I wanted to listen to your right. sermons. Yeah. Um, and I've had a chance to read you know Both part them, two right. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now I'm starting to think about it. But yeah, I wanted to sort of. But yeah. yeah, it's a Daniel's a strange book though. It's so strange. Yeah. You know, like for people who haven't read it. Um, I mean, go read it. Yeah, but first of all, I mean, but you introduced it in the series. Yeah, really pretty. Like, yeah, I sort of said it like, "There's your crash course." Yeah, you know. But essentially, what we have is there's um, there's the story we know about Chadrach, Meshach, and Abednego getting thrown yeah, into the fiery furnace. Yeah. Everyone kind of knows that a little bit. And Daniel in the lion's den. Yeah. He gets thrown in the lion's den. Yeah, we're not going there. But. Yeah, but in between that is just it's a, it's a, it's this weird prophetic book where yeah, everybody's having dreams and they're all yeah. like interpreting them or yeah. trying to interpret them and yeah. going back and forth and yeah the first um chunk of chapters are these narratives like these court yeah. tales and then the last section of the book are like is apocalyptic yeah so it and and i love that it kind of has all these polarities like it has two different languages it's aramaic it's right. hebrew uh you know it has it stretches across these timelines from babylonian um you know these exiles in babylonia to when it's written like hundreds of years yeah. later um under persia so by these Jewish scribes kind of looking back to make sense. So of, this is what he's talking about yeah. is one of the real sort of key questions in terms of um, 
source critical analysis of Daniel. So Daniel has all these predictions, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, about what's going to happen to these empires, these successive empires, uh, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. And we get a hint of it in this dream, this first dream yeah. in chapter two, where there right. are these, there, the statue has these parts. Yeah. It's gold head, silver, bronze, iron, iron and clay. Yeah. So are so, they representing these successive yeah. empires? And they are. Um, and so which ones? Yeah. Kind of so, but the, the question has always been um, like, um, how do I want to say this? Um, maybe I'll say a conservative scholarship mm-hmm. has always dated the story of Daniel within the lifetime of the character Daniel. Right. So that this person who's writing is predicting all these successive yes. empires. Yeah. However, the yeah. critical data, uh, and again, when we talk about uh, higher criticism, we're not talking about being critical as in putting down the Bible. We're just talking about using That's all helpful. the tools at our disposal to analyze the Bible. All of that information would tend to tell us that the writing of Daniel is hundreds of years after all these successive yes. empires. So it's looking back on the history. And that was definitely what I leaned into. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's sort of the frame that I think we're all taking in this yeah. series. But that's the sort of, um, I would say that's the consensus in critical totally. scholarship. Yeah. Is that Daniel is written post-exile, mm-hmm. looking back and trying to make sense of what happened in the exile. Sense yeah. of how they were conquered by yeah. Assyria and then Babylon. Right. And then how Babylon could be conquered by Persia and yeah. then Greece and then Rome and yeah. How did they end up in this situation? Yeah. So the and and I think you can even see that from the text. You don't even have to go outside of the Bible, but the way the story is written, it's trying to make sense of the exile mm-hmm. and why it happened to us. It's not it's not a fortune telling kind no. of book, and that's not what prophecy does in the Old Testament. There are moments mm-hmm. where prophecy is about the future, but the prophetic in the Hebrew scriptures is primarily about making sense of the world as it really is, right? There's a sense that we're not seeing things clearly. We're not seeing history clearly. We're not seeing our moment in history clearly. And so the prophetic is the voice that comes in and sort of strips away what's there and reveals to us. And you use the term apocalyptic. Yeah. Um, you know, which is the genre that the second half of Daniel fits in, which is, I mean, I've done a lot of my academic work in apocalyptic literature, which is a really problematic genre (laughs) for a number of reasons, because the genre does not get defined until centuries Mm. after the New Testament is written. So it's a little anachronistic when we use apocalyptic back on Daniel, which is a a intertestamental. That's interesting. That didn't come up in like all of, I did a lot of reading. Yeah. So people were very happy to slap that title. Like a lot of great scholars were very happy to use that. And, and I never, you know, I just didn't find. Yeah. So same thing happens in Revelation scholarship. Yeah. So Revelation is literally the apocalypse of John. Yeah. But the term apocalyptic genre comes from Revelation. Okay. From, like, okay, okay. It's okay. the, you know, it's, it's like, oh, look at this style of writing. Yeah. So, you know, when John is writing Revelation, he's not writing apocalyptic literature. Right. He's writing the Apocalypse of John, which later on we say, oh, that defines a genre. Did no one else do apocalyptic? Tons of stuff in there. But it wasn't, yeah, so there's tons of, there's the Apocalypse of Abraham. There's all these different apocalypses, and I write them about my thesis. But they weren't weren't categorized as a genre until after the fact. Okay, and what about outside of our tradition? So so it's not... um, the genre of Jewish apocalyptic literature. We're talking Jewish apocalyptic Yeah, is not literature. named until yeah, the I, second I, and third century. Yeah. So there's people writing these kinds of things. Yeah, okay, okay. And that's what it, and then we look at those and then we look at Daniel, like, oh well, he's writing that kind of thing as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. But it's not like there were rules to what the apocalyptic genre yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so once you get into genre studies, right. you find 
Yeah. Like everyone has a sense. Okay, clearly Daniel, right. Revelation, the apocalypse of Abraham, all these things fit in a category together. Yeah. But what are the rules of that category? Yeah, I guess, yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about the title of the thing because I know that, you know, in terms of like dream and dream interpretation, mm -hmm. there was this like Babylonian tradition of yes. dream interpretation. So that's what I was sort of looking for. Like, were there, was there something outside of, Jewish apocalyptic literature yeah. doing the thing yeah. that was maybe not called the thing. And but, a very big thing in right. um, Egyptian writing as well yes. is this whole dreams and yes. interpretation stuff, which yeah. that's what you're seeing in the Joseph story. Yeah. Heavily influenced. I mean, Joseph Joseph is the story that takes the Jews yeah. from uh, the land of Abraham and right. or into Egypt. Well, well the, the primary narrative device in that story is the dreams that first Joseph has and then Joseph interprets. Right. That's an, an Egyptian storytelling technique yes, yes. that the writer is now yeah, using to move for. the story into, like, I mean, it's brilliant stuff from yeah. a literary perspective. Yes. But yeah, the writer is using uh, a known Egyptian yeah. narrative technique right. to move the Jewish story into Egypt. Right. It's interesting that you mention Joseph as mm -hmm. well, because there's links between this Daniel dream um, interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's mm -hmm. dream and Joseph and his interaction with Pharaoh's dream. Yeah. So there are all of these like really neat kind of callbacks. Yeah. And these within, layers and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah. that's what's happening with, with apocalyptic. We all know yeah. all these texts fit together somehow, but then you'll read all kinds of scholars that will give you different definitions of what the, what, what yes. qualifies something as apocalyptic. Yeah, that's interesting. Because it's, it's like after the fact, that, we yeah. try to make a, a yeah. genre out of this. Right. Now, my argument in Revelation, which is not related to Daniel, is, um, well, it is, yeah. it pulls from Daniel a lot. Okay. Yep. But my argument is that there are nascent rules to the genre that have been emerging in the two to 300 years before Revelation, I'm going to argue yes. that Revelation is made, written in the last late first century, somewhere between 80 and 120. Okay. But part of what the writer is doing is um, deforming the expectations of apocalyptic literature. Oh, that's fun. So they're not formal yet because right. the, the genre hasn't even been named, but there's expectations. Right. And part of what the writer in Revelation is doing. Subverts. Exactly. Is intentionally subverting the expectation. Now, right. Daniel is a much more straightforward example of what we call apocalyptic okay, literature. Okay. Right. I'm arguing that the writer of Revelation is using images like Daniel and then twisting them at the last oh. second. You know, so he's, he's like, okay, yeah, yeah. you're like, I know where this is going. And right. he's like, no, you don't. Uh, you know, and, and he's constantly right. doing that with politics and right. with the religion and all these things. Right. So in that sense, Revelation absolutely depends on Daniel because you don't get the same sort of emotional twist right. unless you know stories like Daniel that right. set you, you have up to have an expectation. Yeah. So, I mean, mm. all this stuff oh, is fascinating really the way it interacts. But, yeah. but back really to fun. Daniel. <laughs> back to Daniel as the text for this series. Uh, well, yeah. I chose it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but, but why? Yeah. Like, where did it come from? Well, there's, there's, um, like explicit emotion in the yeah. text. Again and again, we see Nebuchadnezzar as this character mm. who expresses anger right. and fury and yes. rage. So I was like, okay, it's on the page right. there. So that was really interesting to me. But I think that's the least interesting thing of what you did, which <laughs> was the, the way that oh. you took this story that's clearly about anger and rage and Nebuchadnezzar yeah. and you looked for these sort of underlying um, you know, pieces between the lines yes. of where is anger right. being expressed in different ways. Like, right. I, mean, I mean, that's the piece that when I read your sermon and then watched it, I mean, those are the pieces that I found myself going, oh, like this is really neat. Mm. Um, 
and we used the term midrash. Yeah, where, where did we use that in the in the Zoom lobby? We were talking in the to Zoom. About it. Yeah, Zoom. Oh no, it was in our co- whatever. Well, we, we talked a, about yeah. it, and then and then it came up, and then in it Zoom. came up exa- exactly because yeah. someone who joined us for the Zoom lounge was like, "I never thought of Daniel as an angry character." Yeah. And because uh, we see the explicit rage of Nebuchadnezzar on the page, but we don't yes. see the explicit anger yeah. of Daniel. And, and I just could not, the more I got into that story, I thought, how could you not carry some anger right. with you if you were forced to leave your home? They changed your name. It just has yeah. like slavery and um, abuse, you know, all over it. Of course you have some anger. What you've done with it, how you've metabolized it is another yeah. thing. So I wanted to lend that emotion to that character, not only have it sit. Because my point of the first message was about new interpretations, Mm -hmm. about new interpretation of the dream. That's what happens with Daniel saving lives and interpreting this dream. Um, And then I wanted to have an opportunity to reinterpret anger as something not to be feared, uh, but as something that can alert yeah. us to something as, you know, alert us to something that needs to change uh, uh, so, some level of like alert in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I thought it was brilliant, but I, part of what I thought was so brilliant about it was just even the way that you're, you're shaping and teaching us how to read scriptures mm. in that, you know, and, and the framework I used was Midrash yeah. where there, you know, you don't see that on the page yes. in an explicit sense. Right. So how do we have the sort of, um, you know, reading imagination to say like, what's happening in Daniel in this moment? And then the freedom to be able to say, well, I'm going to, I've thought of this. Now I'm going to take that and I'm going to explore it. You know, I don't need necessarily it to be spelled out for me on the page for me to explore um, what could be going on here behind the text and how would that then compare to what's happening in Nebuchadnezzar. And as a reader, um, not just you, but as a historical reader, Mm -hmm. you know, what are you picking up on in these themes and how's that playing out? And I think sometimes the Bible becomes, sadly, this one book that we teach ourselves to read sort of, um, I don't know what the language would be, but almost very naively. Right. Like if it's not spelled out for me, then I can't go there or I can't imagine that. Right. And yet we don't read other books that way. Like, like there's books that hint at emotion. There's books that hint at motivations and characters. Yeah. And then we fill in the gaps. Like that's why we read. I, I don't read a book just for the person, you know, to tell me everything. Yes, um, yeah. You know, unless I'm we, reading Tolkien or something and I want him to explain every little detail of think. every little song <laughs> that everybody sang and where they went and who went. Right. Like, you know. I mean, people do go back to Tolkien again and again and again. Um, so I was going to make a point that like if these stories spelled out all the things all the time, would we need them? Would we struggle with yeah. them? Would they be good conversation partners? Right. You know, I would think, no, they get boring. Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe in different ways, yeah. but I think part of what is so powerful about the scriptures is the way that it invites our imagination. Yeah. And that's where Midrash comes in because Midrash right. was this sort of Hebrew practice. Uh, so there's the Talmud for people who aren't familiar with some of these terms. There's the, the Tanakh is the Hebrew Bible, essentially, mm-hmm. what, what Christians call the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, Torah, which sometimes gets used as a, a right. frame for it, is actually only the, the first law. five books of the Bible, yeah. the books of Moses, the law of Moses. Um, so Tanakh is the whole thing. Um, and that's an acronym for Torah, Ketuvim, and 
Come on, you got this. I know. The writings. The writings of profit and the law. Anyway, yeah. it's an acronym for that. But um, where was I going with that? Oh, but then there's the Talmud that comes along yes. with that, which is in... Um, what time period? So there's two Talmud. Yeah. There's the Jerusalem Talmud and the Babylonian Talmud, but essentially they're both in the period of post-exile. Yes. So in exile in Babylon, right. and then uh, another exile or another Talmud is the coming back to Jerusalem. Right. So you're talking like 500 to 200 before the Common Era, mm-hmm. but the Talmud are interpretations of yeah. Tanakh. So here's a story. This is what it means. Is my right. interpretation. Beautiful thing about the Talmud is there's all kinds of different interpretations. So you will read each of the great rabbis. They're not all like in agreement. They're not in in agreement at all. They're in conversation with each other. Now, if you ever pick up, if you ever find a copy of the Talmud at the library or something, it's very hard to read. It's not organized the way that, you know, you know, Caucasian white people are used to. Mm. It's, uh, you know, the ways that they've put things together are just, you know, not familiar for us. But I mean, if you, if you find a rabbi or a Jewish person who can walk you through it, I mean, there's a lot in there, but yeah, it's going to be different interpretations. Midrash though is a little different. Um, So there's the Mishnah and there's the Midrash, which were uh, rabbinic stories that filled the gaps. Yes. So the Talmud is like interpretations of what the story meant. Right. Um, the but was, it's more like, what if this happened? Exactly. Which I love that. I just love yeah. that. It's like exercise of imagination. Yeah. So like, what's happening and between? They, and like the, this picture of rabbis being like, like, oh, what if this person would have got together with yeah. that person? <gasps> and then the next one says like, no, like imagine what if this would have happened? And yeah. they're like, it's not on the page at all. Yeah. It's yeah. And yeah. these exercises. So, so are, it's not so much interpretive. This right. is what it means. Right. It's more just like filling yeah. the gaps. It's like fan fiction that yeah. fills in. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, and then Talmud right. is the debate about what the stories meant. Yes. And, and this is the beautiful thing is um, in that Hebrew tradition, you have, you have the scriptures, you have the interpretation, yeah. you have the fan fiction that goes along with it and yeah. all of that is part of the mix constantly as you're right. teaching as a community that's not all equal to the scriptures the scriptures are still the scriptures yeah. in the hebrew tradition right. but they also give so much value and honor yeah. to these other ways of thinking and right. writing and right. i think that's something that's missing in christianity right. and it's not about devaluing well, the scripture. For it. yeah it's not about <laughs> devaluing the scripture all scripture is still scripture yeah, yeah. scripture is still the guiding yeah. principle that we have yeah. that yeah. orients us right but what you did in the sermon right. was essentially that kind of um, midrash where it's like, this is what I see on the page yeah. with Nebuchadnezzar. This is what I know about Daniel in terms of the history yeah. of this character. Right. Here's what I, here's what comes naturally to me as yeah. the most, um, the most real and honest emotion that this person is having. And here's how they respond to it. Yes. You know, and I, and I love that kind of stuff. Right. Especially when, you know, we mentioned the Joseph series before. Yeah. But in Genesis, we get a different kind of writing where we get a lot of like this happened and then this happened and very little in terms of motivations. Yeah. And so there's tons of Midrash and tons of Talmud debating yeah. why Abraham did this or why did Joseph do that? Well, that's where the stories really come alive is yeah. when you start asking like what's going inside inside of Daniel? Yes, yes, yes. You know? Well, there's this great um, there's this great line in the text where do I have it at the ready? Uh Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar that God has given him understanding to know what's in his mind. Hmm. Um, But the translation is like, it's not just mind. It's like what's in his inner man, like what's in his heart, you know, that, that, that actually really matters to the divine. Mm -hmm. And I loved, I also loved that invitation and that pull in the text that like, we're, we're thinking about a new interpretation of anger yeah. uh, as something that can mobilize and energize and alert us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
and and like it's it's absolutely a part of the human experience yeah. and this line that like that the divine would care about what was in the heart the inner man mm. you know of this and you also have thing. you have these Indian cultures where they're like we talk about our heart we yeah. talk about our head sometimes we talk about our gut yeah but the 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 anatomy yeah. that ancient cultures ascribe to sort of different seats of right. intellect and emotion were all different in these yes, cultures. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, and and they just didn't they didn't yeah. have this this strict delineation that we have right, sometimes. Yeah. You know, like when the Psalms talk about your kidneys all yeah, the time, and right, Jesus right. keeps talking about your bowels. Yeah. Like whenever Jesus is talking about compassion, he's always talking about your bowels. Yeah, like you know, like your gut is yeah. where you feel real compassion for right, someone. Right, I mean, right. I, I just think even those things are more. And interesting. the language is very much. Yeah, it's like, it's a much more yeah. sort of physical. Yes. Your your emotions are things that you feel yeah. in parts of your bodies. Yeah. We have a little bit of that in English, like my head and my heart. Right. Maybe my gut. We hear that a bit. Mm -hmm. But I don't, we don't talk about our emotions like, you know, like even when we talk our heart, it's not that same like in my kidneys, yeah. you know, or in my bowels. Right, or, right, right, right. You know? Yeah. More visceral. Yeah. Yeah. Viscera. Like there's literally like that's your gut, right? That's where that <laughs> nice, word comes nice, from. Nice, nice. So yes, I mean like even, yeah. even just that. That um, yeah. When even when we hear these things, this yeah. language, it's it's even deeper than that. It's like yeah. God cares about oh yeah, all that stuff that's happening in totally. your kidneys and your gut and your you know the innermost bits. Yeah, that's cool. Innermost bits. Yeah. Innermost bits. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, that's like that's I uh, my own journey with anger. I mean, it's always ongoing, but I have I just kept gravitating mm -hmm. towards books around anger in the mm. last two years like when i went back through my goodreads history yeah. i was like oh i've been reading about anger and women's anger um you know for a for a couple of years and yeah uh it felt like yeah a journey of reinterpreting it and thinking like i was thinking about the language of like theological anthropology you mm. know that like our human experience has something to show us about the divine. Mm. Uh, so I, I was just kind of like, I want to form some language around theology and anger for myself. And mm -hmm. I think it could be helpful for our community. Yeah. I, I want to, there's a question here yeah. about, do you think you can be both wise and angry? I want to talk about that because I think that's a really interesting question. Um, but I, you know, listening to you last week, reading mm -hmm. the sermon that's coming this week. Yeah. Um, I think I better. am. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll <laughs> say that. I mean, we'll talk about that next week. <laughs> Uh, but I have been thinking about, you know, what is my relationship with anger? Because, mm -hmm. um, and I might talk about this a little bit in the video this week and sort of responding to your sermon, but, you know, as a, and you mentioned this a little bit in some ways, but as a white, straight, cisgendered, middle-class man who has resources and people pay attention to me, yep. um, like, you know, it's not like I have a whole lot to be angry about. Right. Um, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I always love personality stuff, but like, so I like to get angry about causes. I like yeah. to grab a hold totally. of something, but for the most part, anger has been this sort of emotion in my life that I've tried to, um, distance myself from mm -hmm. because I recognize that generally my anger is not, a, it's not a positive thing. Right. It's usually something that feeds oh, <laughs> into the, you know, the sort of um, the most, the easiest things for mm -hmm. me to lean into is yeah. all of my privilege. Yeah. And the, the anger that comes most naturally is, is yeah. when I don't get the thing that I'm used to. Yeah, I get it. And I find that frustrating. So then, you know, I think it's been a good and a healthy process for me to say, okay, so how do right. I then right. name those things, distance right. myself from it? But 
I'll give you something about, I know. about listening I to you. <laughs> you know, it was that piece of yeah. saying, okay, so how does that then, um, how do I not stop that process? How do I continue to do yeah. that? Because that's the appropriate way for me to process mm-hmm. um, anger because of my place in the world and yeah. all these things, but then not always project that same expectation. That's exactly it. Onto everybody's that's experience exactly of the world. That's exactly it. I think that I think that's what's been kind of missing mm-hmm. from our faith communities is that the voice that's sh- that's for so long shaped yeah. so many faith communities is a voice like yours. Yeah. And so th- so your experience comes through yours the capital. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> and, ter- and and doesn't sort of open up space for like the anger that is that is in our communities mm. that would advocate for some more power right. when there hasn't been enough. Yeah. Um, and I think it's made people really sick. Like I think, yeah, you know, that, yeah. that when, when the virtue was like to sort of stay away from anger, mm-hmm. it, people internalize right. anger and, it, and, and it's made then, the, then you hold on to the anger, yeah. which does become toxic. Exactly. You know, and this is the thing. I mean, I think, I hope, you know, people got that in your piece. Cause I, I loved, um, actually, I think it's, I can't remember what's coming up in the next sermon or not, but you know, the, the way you talked about, you know, you, you can't transform that anger into something, into activism, into love, into something positive until you process it yeah, and own it, understand yeah. it. Um, and this is the tough thing is it is, it is true. It is good. It is holy to look at those scriptures and say, Hey, like your anger does not mm-hmm. produce the righteousness that God desires. Mm-hmm. Anger on its own will never do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean right. we shut that emotion down. Right. We don't let ourselves feel it. Right. Because all that does is like is allow anger to become the thing Something. that's actually driving you somewhere deep yeah, inside. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, when you have, again, like, like you just said, when you always have someone from the same type exactly. of a position whose real sort of struggle with anger is about, yeah. okay, how do I, how do I name this thing? But how do I realize that, you know, my anger is not valid, hmm. um, you know, and it's just about me wanting to continue right. to have my privilege and the things that I'm right. used to. Right. So and how I, do I yeah. set it aside? How do right. I move forward? If that's the only way that we have to process anger, mm-hmm. when you've got people who don't have that privilege yeah. and are fighting for their voice and they're fighting yeah. for their place, then what happens is we tell them not to feel it, yeah. they push it down and it becomes the thing that's actually driving them from the inside. Yeah. Rather than giving them the opportunity right. to process it, to channel it, to right. transform it yeah. into the kind of justice work yes. that needs to happen yeah. on the other side. Exactly. So that's what I—that's the thing that I took away yeah. in terms of my place in the world right. listening to you was not so much that I need to reframe my relationship with anger right. as much as I need to make sure yes. that my frame is not the lens well, through which I'm watching. Job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but I also like to, to step back into the text for a moment, you know, this, this picture of God throwing stones was right. The yes. Thing I, really, I loved the way you framed yeah, that. And I just thought like, what motivates, you know, again, like let's play this out in our imaginations yeah. a bit. Like, uh, so the dream goes that, you know, there's this statue, mm-hmm. it has weak material in the feet yep. and Nebuchadnezzar sees a hand, but it is not a human hand, form a rock, throw it at the statue's feet. And then yep. all of the statue crumbles upon itself, something like that. Um, and then from the rock that was thrown comes a great mountain that mm-hmm. fills the whole earth. And I was like, Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this was our exploration around 
you know, how to, um, how to be angry at God or like, where does our blame go? That kind of natural human reaction to the things that make us really mad. And this idea that like God throws stones at like brutal empires, Mm -hmm. at abuse of power, at manipulative, you know, forces. Mm -hmm. And that um, was my, uh, yeah, kind of like climax of the, of the sermon was this idea of like, looking to form a new interpretation of anger is to see that something of the, could we say anger of God towards Hmm. the things that we've constructed? If we practice radical responsibility, sure, the wrath of God is being poured out from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of man. Thank you for quoting all the scriptures tonight. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, but this idea, you know, sword drills. I've been doing this for a while, though. Yeah, Yeah, I I got a few of them up this leaf. But exactly, this was the the imagery was just so much fun, and I have often like. I haven't found those passages in the scriptures dream a dream and a dream interpretation very yeah. interesting, honestly. Like when it's been taught to me or I've had to read it, I've just been like, oh, okay. <laughs> I like made myself slow right down and yeah. enjoy. And then I thought, oh my gosh, wait, who where did the rock come from? Mm-hmm. What did it do in the scene, in the dream? Um, what happened after yeah. it became this incredible mountain that filled the whole earth? I just thought that's like Zion. It's this like mm-hmm. gathering of the divine, the divine in our midst. The revelations, right? Talks yeah. about this like God coming to earth mm-hmm. you know this kind of presence this mountain presence um so returning. the yeah. piece yeah you know and i will talk about this in the series as well but i think the piece that's important is uh, i always because of my posture i always want to be careful when we talk about god throwing yeah. stones and i love the way you framed it yeah. the way you languaged it in the sermon was so perfect it's not a people but this is the yeah. thing about but this is the diff- yes. gets another ch- this is yes. what i think i think that they something about whoever <laughs> formed this character out of like bits of their history, I think they read themselves into Nebuchadnezzar. Mm. Like Nebuchadnezzar, we're going to look at three stories and he gets a new chance every time. So the the stone wasn't at him as a character, you know, we're going to return to him again. And he is going to have this opportunity to like repent, return over and over again, again and again and again. And I think that the, you know, the, the people of God sort of look and see, (laughs) <laughs> getting excited see themselves even in nebuchadnezzar yeah. and i think that's kind of where you're going sorry yeah, is that, it, no no is it's, that it's, great. it's not at the the stone doesn't even come for him yeah it comes for like the forces of right. this empire that yeah. abused and so paul's language people. is you know we battle against principalities and powers not yeah. against flesh and blood right now sometimes in some circles that gets trans you know that gets interpreted as yeah. You know, we're fighting against demons and that kind of stuff. It's not what principalities yes. and powers are yeah. in the in the Greco-Roman period. Principalities again, and powers are, are empires, <laughs> right? Exactly. Right. So that's what Paul's talking about. Yeah. I think I think we're working on the journal. I think we're going to do Philippians this year. Yeah. Um, and Philippians is all about Paul's. You know, compare. Well, so is Colossians. So there's a lot of Paul. Right. But setting Christ against the power of mm. the empire, the Roman right, Empire. Right. right. But. When Paul talks about our, our wars against principalities and powers, he doesn't mean Caesar. Mm-hmm. He doesn't mean Roman centurions. Mm-hmm. What he means is the Roman Empire 
that steals your imagination okay. and makes you think that this is all there is. Right. That's what Revelation is about. Yeah. Revelation is not about the Roman Empire. Yeah. Revelation is using the Roman Empire to talk about the concept of empire yeah. that shuts down your imagination exactly. and makes you believe there's nothing more than this. Right. That's what God throws stones at. Yes. That's what the violence in Revelation is directed at, yeah. is those things that steal our imagination mm -hmm. away from us. But the grace of God is always for human beings yeah. That are trapped and yes. corrupted and, and broken I and crushed by those things. Continue to like see compassion exactly in this text for Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. He is even, not a villain. Exactly. So yeah. even Caesar is a victim yes. of the Roman Empire. Exactly. Even Nebuchadnezzar exactly. is a victim yeah. of Babylonian. I Empire. kept thinking, what were his needs? Yeah. You know, what needs were unmet in this? You know, who who he goes and especially the text that you're gonna use, yeah. he like becomes like a bit of an animal. Yeah. He does you yeah. know, he, he gets so detached from his humanity mm -hmm. that he roams around the land yeah. like is a is a wild beast. So then how far do we take this? Yeah. Because you know, how do we and, and obviously we're talking about anger and we're talking about the righteousness of naming these things and standing yeah. up and fighting for injustice. Yeah. But at the other side, how do, and you named some things in this sermon. Yeah. How do we understand that, that the victims of white supremacy yes. is all of us? Yeah. Like, yes, exactly. You and I are victims of white supremacy yeah. because it steals our imagination exactly. away from us. You know, like I talked about a couple of weeks ago, we end up because of this thing that's ingrained into us, like mm -hmm. you, neither are you and I are white supremacists. Yeah but we can't pretend we're not shaped totally. by those expectations around yeah. us. Yeah. And because of that, at some base level, yeah. we learn to look past white people yeah. with guns and we're like, ah, oh, yeah. they're just crazy. They're fine. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, you know, uh, a black kid in a hood out for a jog, yeah. we're like, oh, maybe that's a, you know, maybe that's a yeah. criminal or something like, yeah. like these things are really deep inside totally. of us, even though we would never say them out loud because yeah. we're, you know, we're the good white people. Right. Mm -hmm. So we don't say them out yeah. loud, but, but they're deeply shaped. In this us. is why I'm kind of excited that you're doing the third one. Maybe. This is the this is the like how to be angry at ourselves yeah. a little bit. But but you know it but all of those yeah. kinds of principalities and powers are stealing something from all of yeah. us. I'm not at all saying white supremacy is as hard on me as it is on, you know, anyone who's not white. Like I'm not yeah. I'm, like don't be silly. I'm not yeah. trying that. What I'm saying though is anything yeah. that steals our imagination away from us yeah. is stealing something from all of us right, all right, of the right, time. Right. And Nebuchadnezzar was a victim of right. the Babylonian Empire, right. even as right. he was the person inflicting incredible suffering on people. And he should never get off the hook on that. Yeah. Like, like yeah. he, as a character, he needs yes. to be named for all of the right. evil and the violence. Yeah, I felt like we were sort of working that out a little bit exactly. in the conversation. Yeah. But I mean, this is, this is the really powerful thing about the scriptures is they refuse to name any of us purely. Yes as victim yeah you know we we can be a victim yes. but we are more than that totally none of us ever is purely aggressor like yeah we can be evil we can do yeah. terrible things right. but even nebuchadnezzar something about is a victim human. of violence yeah. like this is yeah. what violence does to us this is what sin yes. does to us it's, it inverts our imagination of the world it yeah. steals from us all the time yeah. And that's what Christ is trying to bring us back to is all yeah. those things. And chance after chance after chance, yeah. if Nebuchadnezzar needs yeah. that, if you need that, yeah. if I need that. Yeah. And that's where, you know, again, you know, I found it really helpful from my posture and the ways that I've had right. to work through, and you know, come to terms with anger and make mm -hmm. sense of it for myself. Right. To have that pulled back a little bit and say, right, right you know, again, as a white, straight yeah. man with resources, yeah. 
um, it's not right for me to impose that on, exactly. you know, an indigenous person exactly. who has been through the residential school system. And mm -hmm. I'm just like, oh, you should just not be angry no. and you should forgive. Like that's. Show that's, us your anger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, I hope. Yeah. That that anger is not going to eat you up inside and tear you apart. No, because I will hold it. But I Show want, us. exactly. Show us yes. your anger. So how are yeah. black people upset about white yeah. supremacy Show right us. now? How are women upset yeah. about being marginalized yeah. in the church right now? Yeah. How do we allow those stories to come to the surface yeah. so that yeah. that doesn't become the narrative that defines you? Exactly. As a woman, as right. a person, as a pastor. Which I fight with. Yeah, totally. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want I don't want yeah. that to be Bobby's story. Totally. You know, and you're really good at it. Yeah. yeah. You know, I want that to be I want that to yeah. be the part of the thing that shapes you. Yeah. But I don't want you always having to be fighting against that. Right. But I don't also want you to have to say, Well, I can't feel those things. No, exactly. You know, yeah. or when uh how can I say this gently? Um, <laughs> but you know, that when something comes up and it's like, um, you know, maybe because of the way that you've been marginalized you're going to take it a different way right i don't want you to have to then say um okay well i'm going to stuff that down because i you know i trust jeremy or i trust common right, right therefore right. i'm not going to talk about it right. i'm just going to push that anger aside right. like i want you to be able to say hey no this is what yeah. it is right yeah. um and to be able to share those stories right, and talk right, about right, them because right. then right i can respond to them we can respond to yeah. them we can make changes well, yeah, we can yeah, learn from we're, each other we are still always doing that work like expanding yes. our imagination for what it looks like to have leaders mm -hmm. from different aspects of oh, like our population absolutely yeah. so we're still doing that work but yeah. we're bigger than that <laughs> <laughs> anyways we're at an hour what are, we, are we at an hour already yeah we're okay. at an hour so um, it always feels like we just like spin oh. our wheels for like 20 minutes and then we actually get into something that's like really interesting and then we're like oh an yeah. hour's up we gotta go yeah totally totally anyway. um any questions uh, here we yeah, want to talk about i think uh bobby's on fire right <laughs> She's literally just on fire all the time. <laughs> I think I'm kind of fired up. I try not to be. Um, well, so, I have a lot to be grateful for. Can so. you expand that point? I'm not sure I understand. Uh, oh, we're asking someone else in the chat. Piece, gotcha. Okay. okay. Um, um, we might follow up with some of this later. Yeah, totally. I'm just taking a look at it, but uh, we really we got into that one, and we still, yeah, we didn't have great. a chance to check up on that. So, um, you know what I was thinking? I mean, we really enjoy. This has been a really nice pattern and rhythm in my pandemic yeah. <laughs> days just like bike over now that it's nicer out and uh hang out with you and we get this interaction it's really fun but i also thought you know if this is helpful for people it would be great for you to share it you know totally. like we we're doing these, it anyway yeah we're doing it and the more kind yeah. of people who jump in it's great and i just thought you know if, if you've really enjoyed the conversation and think it's adding something to your life then um share the links yeah and absolutely and we're trying to interact more with the chat and stuff too so yeah it's uh, if you're on there post a question if you're lurking and you haven't uh, asked a question before or made a comment yeah. uh, let us know on yeah. there so appreciate it well, all right uh, so this great. week so uh, living room worship is tomorrow night um on instagram you can check that out already wow no okay that's wednesday okay, night Wednesday, right thursday, thursday i'll have video. something probably maybe i'll just take about some of the stuff i talked about today yeah that on instagram uh friday we've got a new community, community challenge. challenge people people keep running with them <laughs> they're great they're fun that's fun yeah, yeah. and then uh that's and then great. this sunday we're back for how to be angry part two yeah uh daniel chapter three yeah there you go yeah yeah it's great cool i love i love that one thanks everybody <laughs> yeah good night